Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is a secret transmission. It is a spoiler discussion of Dooku Jedi Lost by Kevin Scott. I have already done a non-spoiler review where I talked about uh, Dooku Jedi Lost and Master and Apprentice uh, by Claudia Gray, uh, because those two books go so well together. Uh, but there were so many cool things in the Dooku book, which, uh, as we know, it was an audio presentation, um, which I'll uh, talk about again. Uh, there were just so many cool things in that book that I wanted to talk about, but you know, I didn't want to offer any spoilers, so I thought, well, I'll just do the uh, that is its own discussion. Finally getting around to it, doing it in the car, um, so not only a secret transmission, but a hyperspace transmission. Um, and a lot of, I've got, I don't even really need notes. I'm just going to talk about what I liked about it off the top of my head. Uh, so hope you enjoy. Again, full spoilers for the story. If you haven't listened to it yet and you still want to and you don't want to be spoiled, uh, please hold off on this. Uh, you're free to listen to my non-spoiler review. I don't get into too much detail, uh, but that's on the Radio Dakar channel. Uh, but this, uh, again, this is all spoilers. And uh, getting back into it, uh, it I, I enjoyed the story, but the presentation with a full cast doing the audiobook was just really awesome because it was such a callback to the Star Wars uh, um, radio dramas that were done years ago for NPR. A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back were done in the early 80s. They actually didn't get around to doing Return of the Jedi until the mid-90s. But all of those were just so cool. They got they got Mark Hamill uh, to come back as Luke. But other than that, it was um, other uh, voice actors um, who, who all did a great job. Um, it, a lot of them are unknown. Um, now, the, I think John Lithgow, if I remember correctly, did Yoda. And Brock Peters, who uh, actually did quite a few roles on Star Trek, uh, did Darth Vader. Um, he was outstanding. Uh, just a bunch of great people doing those uh, doing the, those audio presentations. And it made you feel like you were in the story because it was so detailed with what they were saying. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, Dooku Jedi Lost reminded me so much of that, and that, that's what made it really cool. That they used the dialogue to help you visualize the scene. And, I mean, I, I won't even start listing all the cast members, uh, A, because I can't remember them off the top of my head, but... Uh, mostly because they all did such a great job and they were equally equally impressive with the different characters they portrayed um, you know if you're listening to this you've already heard it so ho- hopefully you agree with me uh, but yeah let's just get into the story a little bit now you know it, it, it was about why did Dooku leave the Jedi Order it's not about when he got seduced to the dark side by Sidious, which is okay, but I mean, I like that this was fleshed out because 
you know, when you saw Attack of the Clones, all they mentioned was that he was once a Jedi, now he's a Sith. So the, the assumption is, or was, that, well, he was a Jedi, and then he got turned by Sidious, and now he's a Sith. Well, it was more to that. It was about his home planet and the fact that in a rarity for a Jedi, he had attachment uh, to his previous uh, life before the Jedi. Now, um, this is, uh, I will, I'm not going to talk about Master and Apprentice too much, but I will get into this. It's a bit of a spoiler, but not like critical to the plot. You know, the big deal was about that Rail Avaros, who I'll talk a lot about, was, did not be, uh, become a Jedi. He was discovered and became a Jedi at age five, and that Obi-Wan was three when he was, and how, at that point, I mean, that was just way, too, they considered that way too old to be coming to starting as a Jedi because they have memories of their home life. Personally speaking, I have vivid memory. I'm 42. I have vivid memories of when I was five. You know, going to see E.T. and uh, going to the World's Fair, uh, stuff like that. I mean, I have very vivid memories from that age. So, yeah, that was the problem with Rail Avaros. Um, and then Obi-Wan being three, you know, he would have faint memories. And so that made the Phantom Menace even more powerful because here's this nine-year-old that they're bringing in, even though they think he's the chosen one, now that's why the council had such reservations about him, because they had dealt with Jedi like Obi-Wan and Rill, being that so old. So with Dooku, you know, it's neat to find out, it wasn't so much about his age, but that he discovered where he came from. He knew he was from Sereno, and that he was a member of, and when he found out he was a member of the royal family, and that he was abandoned by his father, but then he has a, his, a, it, he, you know, has this attachment to his sister, and her name escapes me, I'm you know, driving in the dark, so I don't even know, um, Jenza, yeah, that was her name, um, yeah, that he ha- has this attachment to Jenza, and they stay in contact all those years, um, so, you know, that's a totally different problem is the problem of attachment. So I like that, that, you know, they sowed the seeds, you know, Kevin Scott did this through the backstory, that he always had one foot toward his home planet, and though he tried to be a loyal Jedi, he never forgot where he was from, and then it came to a head in the story. And I, you know, even though, you know, it wasn't like major twists about, oh, we, we knew he had to fall somehow um, away from the Jedi. You know, the fact that the story was a setup for him to have Asajj Ventress kill his sister. <coughs> Excuse me. That was a, you know, that was a twist I didn't see coming. So, you know, the, the story did have a payoff. It wasn't just... Well, here's a chance to entertain us with this full cast and give Dooku some backstory. No, I mean, the, with the way he was manipulating Asajj throughout the story, it really paid off. 
So great job by Kevin Scott on that. Um, that that's mainly what I have to say about the overall arc of the story. Uh, and I, yes, I enjoyed it. Um, and there was some details, and then I'll get into some of the characters that I really loved. Um, I mentioned it on the non-spoiler review, and I might t- uh, I'll discuss it a little more here. I liked that you got the vibe of Hogwarts from the way we were finding out about uh, the younglings and you know what they were learning as Padawans. And, you know, yeah, they went to the mess hall, like the great dining hall at Hogwarts. And, uh, then they took classes and they learned how to use the Force for different things, kind of like you know Leviosa. Uh, all that stuff from Harry Potter. I really dug that vibe, you know. You, you, and especially following Dooku and Sifo Dyas over the years, you know, you saw, you know, it's kind of like how, like Harry and Ron were in the first book, and then how they were by the sixth book. You know, as you get older, your relationships change, and, um, especially when you're being brought up in uh, this very dogmatic. Arena. <coughs> Excuse me. Figures I would I would have a cough when I'm doing this. But, um, so I really dug that vibe of the temp, the Jedi Temple as a school, and not just you know. Whereas in Master and Apprentice, we find you know we get to see what it's like to be a Padawan in the field. Um, and, you know more so than the movies about you know Obi Wan and. Uh, what he has to go through as he's learning and, you know, why he's with Qui-Gon and all that. So, you know, I really liked seeing them as students and then sneaking around, you know, them sneaking around in dark trying to find, uh, you know, the, get into the Bogan collection and discovering, you know, the, the fake wall that, oh, it's, you know, it's a window, but it's on the interior, so there's something behind it, you know, and, you know, like all the you know, the Chamber of Secrets and all the secret places in Hogwarts. That, that was really cool. I really dug that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, the, the Hogwarts, the comparison. Um, okay, I don't know if this was intentional or not. I don't think it was. But the, the scene where um, Dooku and his brother get into the scuffle during their mother's funeral and the casket gets knocked over and her body falls out... That was straight out of Clerks. Uh, like I said, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but if you've seen, you know, hopefully you've seen Clerks because Kevin Smith, you know, loves Star Wars and puts references in all his movies. It'd be neat if it was the, the other way. But you know, they go, they, you know, I don't care if you haven't seen it yet, but you know, they close down the convenience store in the middle of the day to go to a funeral, and then you know, they get chased out of there, and then they're on their their way back to reopen the convenience store, they're having the argument about, you knocked the casket over, I was just leaning on it, her her body fell out, I was like, it's almost like, you know, you could have put that dialogue in Dooku and it would have worked, so that cracked me up, I also loved um, the homage to uh, Star Wars Resistance, which of course is my bread and butter on the show. But with the racing they had on Coruscant that Dooku and Qui-Gon went to watch when they were trying to unravel some 
some dealings. But, you know, the racing was very similar with uh, the style of the racers and the, the rings that they had to go through. And it, you know, had me thinking, uh, you know, on, uh, I've talked a lot about it on my reviews of Resistance. I love the racing that they did on Castellon. I didn't, thought we could have gotten more of it on the show. But, you know, how they could reconfigure the rings and make it, um, you know, more challenging. Like when they were doing the, oh, man, I forgot the name of the race. Um, the one where Yeager and Marcus uh, raced in it. Um, but anyway, the, the fact, you know, you can make uh, different difficulty for the race. But then the fact they had one on Coruscant. I mean, that's a whole other degree of difficulty by having the buildings and everything, not just water. Side note, the uh, Star Wars Resistance uh, game that's on the Disney Now app was so much fun. Uh, you know, making your racer and getting to choose Kaz or Tam and flying against the other aces. And the, the difficulty of the rings on that game are really cool. Uh, I hope they uh, install updates on that because I had a lot of fun with that. So yes, I love the racing scene in uh, Dooku. That made me think of why I love Resistance. And oh, before I forget, I also liked that the way the Padawans were chosen by the Masters was like... It, it almost made me think of Hunger Games because, um, because of how uh, they had... You know, they changed the arenas for the mock combat each time, and they mentioned, no, we've done it underwater, and we've done it in zero-g, and it made, it made me think of how, you know, in the Hunger Games, uh, each year the games were held in a different environment, uh, so I th- thought that was neat too, that, you know, makes me think, oh, it would be cool to see a bunch of different uh, Padawan trials to, to show off at the Masters. So uh, let's, uh, I'm just kind of running through this, just off the top of my head. Uh, talking about specific characters. Um, now, of course, you know Dooku and Asajj were well well portrayed here, but some of the some of the new characters, or relatively new in the case of Rail, uh, they're they're just fascinating characters, and I want to know more about them. I'll go ahead and talk about Jedi who um, are not celibate. That's the best way to put it. Um, you know, it's talked about in Master and Apprentice, and it's mentioned here. Uh, Rail Ivaros likes to get busy. Um, he, he's like, you know, I can't deal with the celibacy thing. I'm a Jedi, but I'm still going to bang. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was kind of... Which is... I mean, it's fine. It's not like there was anything, you know, graphic or anything with it. But, you know, it, it, it just helps to, you know, amplify, like, Anakin's need to keep this secret with him and with the relationship he had with Padme. Because, you know, the Jedi have had to deal with this with people like Rill. So they, they frown upon it. So that's why Anakin knew to... You know, in a way, it was like, we need to keep this a secret and all that because I know how they feel about it. Um, so, 
really fascinating character, and I know a lot of people love him and want to hear, hear more about him. I mentioned this on the review. I still think, in my mind, it's Stephen Lang from Avatar who should play him if they ever did live action. Um, and I would love to say, like, and it mentions his tattered, very casual Jedi attire. I mean, I want to see this. I want to see some representations. That's one thing I loved about Alphabet Squadron recently was because they released promo art of what the characters look like. So you had a very good visual in my mind as I'm listening to the book. And it'd be cool if they did that with characters like Rail and uh, you know other major characters that have come out in the books that have been in you know not been in other media. You know, like Ray Sloan was in the comics, so we already knew what she looked like. And I, I Versio is in the game, so when you're listening to Battlefront 2, you know about her. So you got Rail, and then you got um, Eula Braylon, who also likes to get busy. But her reasoning was really fascinating because, and it's, you know, you think about it, you have the Seekers who are the Jedi who go out into the galaxy and find the Force-sensitive children. And so Eula was one of them. And she's gone for years, you know, at least months at a time on these journeys. And as we find this, one of the twists of the book, as we find out, she had a relationship. She got pregnant. She gave birth to Aroth. And, you know, he became... Uh, a youngling. So, I mean, you know, was that the Jedi's first dealing with Jedi offspring in a while? You know, had that been a thing here and there for, you know, these thousands of years? You know, we think of Luke and Leia as such a rarity that they're the pro- that they're the offspring of a Jedi. But y- Eula had a Roth, and you know, has anybody else done this? And so, th- yeah, that was that was an interesting twist. And, and you have the whole thing with the Roth, and you know, his gambling, and that's why they they figure this out uh, that he's uh, her son. So yeah, the you, know, you got Eula, you got Rail. And the whole thing about, you know, Jedi giving in to their sexual impulses. Not just romantically like Anakin did. So, yeah, I'm curious to know, you know, how much of a problem was this, keeping this under control? Especially Jedi who go out on these missions and sometimes have nothing better to do. So, uh, just an interesting thing that... Kevin Scott examined in the book. Now, kind of my last thing for this discussion is my favorite part of the book. Lean Castana, Sith Relic Hunter. I would read a comic book about her. I would read a story about her. Or just Jedi who are in this realm. You know, I loved the whole thing about she felt that the Sith would eventually return. She thought it was inevitable. 
So she started seeking out Sith relics on the black market, knowing some may be fake, but then, you know, making sure she got the real ones so that they wouldn't fall into the wrong hands. And then testing younglings and Padawans with stories of Sith Lords and then seeing, you know, trying to pique their interest and, you know, having them sneak into the Bogan collection uh, for these for these relics that they want to find out about. Um, yeah, just all the stuff with Link Kostana and Sifo Dias and then Dooku's fascination. Uh, that was my favorite part of this entire book. Yeah, I would love to learn more about her as a character. Like, when did she start this fascination with Sith relics? When did she take it upon herself to start hunting down uh, the stuff? You know, doing these side missions when she's on, uh, like, diplomatic missions and such. Uh, It was... Yeah, that was just so fascinating to me. I, you know, I've listened to I listened to the book twice, so I can, especially with the twist, you know, so I can pick up on stuff earlier in the um, earlier in the story. And so when you know, once we find out about her true nature, and then when she's testing uh, the Padawans earlier on, you can see the like the, feel the passion in her voice um, in the portrayal about how much she liked, uh, well not really liked, but just how passionate she was about tracking these down and being ready for the inevitable battle with the Sith. And, and, and you know, all the, like in du- Dooku's uh, vision when he's hearing all the voices, you know, I think we hear her being struck down by somebody, but we don't know that, so I don't think we yet know her ultimate fate. Unfortunately, it'd be very appropriate if you know she was had, was defeated by Darth Tyrannus or Darth Sidious at some point. But I want to know more about the Sith relic hunters. Um, if it's a story about her, or um, maybe maybe a previous Jedi Master who got her interested. You know, I, I want to know this stuff. So yeah. Uh, she, to me, was the most compelling character in the book. And I really enjoy um, those parts of it. And I'll wrap up by mentioning, I think this... I've said, I've said it before, I've said it on a couple of episodes. I think this is where we're going in the next wave of Star Wars storytelling, now that the Skywalker saga is wrapping up. And there's going to be other movies set in different time periods. I think they're getting us ready for the Jedi and their way of doing things before the crumbling of the Old Republic. You know, this story takes place uh, given Dooku's age, you know, it starts out about 50 years before the Phantom Menace. So it's an era that's new to us in the new canon. Uh, you know, are, you know, are we going to start going back further than this? 
and learn more about you know different philosophies on the council depending on the members and what they were doing to you know were they always this watchful about the return of the Sith was it just this collective few who thought they would return uh, yeah I want to know about this stuff uh, and I think that that's where they're going with it you know are we getting Old Republic movies? I think in some form or another. I don't know exactly what time period, but you know, it's going to be hundreds of years before the Skywalkers. And I, I really think, especially with Kevin Scott being involved in both, I, th- I think some of the things he introduced in Dooku Jedi Lost will come out in whatever Project Luminous is. Um, Hopefully we'll find out more about that soon. I mean, it's coming out next year, whatever the project is. Claudia Gray's involved with it. You know, she wrote Master and Apprentice. It's going to involve the Jedi. But just at what point? Um, is it like a history lesson on the Jedi? You know, how will it tie in to the upcoming movies? I think... I think he gave us hints in Dooku Jedi Lost, and that's what excites me about it. Um, See, so yeah, I, th- I think that's that's where we're going. I, I believe. I don't think Ryan Johnson may, you know, his trilogy may be set in the future, uh, past the Skywalkers, but I think otherwise we're going back in time. So, I'm very intrigued by that. But again, um, that, that's the things about Dooku Jedi Lost that I wanted to uh, get out there and talk about. Um, yes, yeah, it's it fascinating to see the cracks in the Jedi and their philosophy and their stoicism. And, you know, Luke mentioned it in The Last Jedi. It was, you know, um, the avarice of the, the Jedi... You know, they couldn't even see the... You know, as a whole, they didn't see the return of the Sith, and it was too late, and they were wiped out, and the Empire was born. So, you know, with non-celibate Jedi and ones who gave into corruption and left the Order for attachment reasons, you know, all those cracks were there, and we got to see that in the story. Plus the fact there were those who were trying to fight against the Sith before the return happens. And that was the really cool crux of the story. Not just the story of Dooku and what he could manipulate Asajj to do. So, uh, it, it, it was a great story. Um, you know, like I say, if, you, if, you've listened, if you've listened to this podcast this long... Um, over 20 minutes in, you've already heard. You've already heard, listened to the story, um, but you know, spread the word, tell people to experience this because it's it's a unique thing with the audio presentation. Um, but it it gives a really cool perspective on the Jedi and you know where the, where they were headed. So. Again, thank you, Kevin Scott, for a great story. Uh, That's really all I have to say about it. Um, 
but I hope you enjoyed my secret transmission, um, my hyperspace transmission of it. Again, uh, the non-spoiler review, um, which includes Master and Apprentice, is on the Radio Descartes channel. I've got other book reviews. I'm starting to do more of those, uh, especially with, you know, since we're in between seasons of Resistance. Uh, it, this, this fall is going to be crazy. Uh, there is, especially in November, there is so much coming out. we got the Fallen Order video game. Maybe we'll get hints in that game, like uh, we'll lead character find out things about the Jedi and the Sith from the past. Uh, the TV shows, the final Skywalker movie, um, there's so much good stuff coming. I'll be discussing all of that. Uh, again, uh, focus on Resistance. I can't wait for season two. Uh, I'm very excited because uh, as of this recording, I am ten days away from meeting uh, Christopher Sean and Susan McGrath from the show uh, can't wait can't wait to see them and uh, report back on what they had to say uh, so again you can find me on social media at Radio Dakar R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R uh, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter uh, you know, feel free feel free to drop me a line let me know what you thought of the book all the previous Radio Dakar episodes are on most major platforms. Uh, my home uh, platform is Anchor, anchor.fm, the Anchor app. That will take you to just about any podcast you want, uh, Google Play, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, uh, on SoundCloud as well. Uh, but thank you for listening. I um, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And until next time, may the force be with you.